It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org slash auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Oh, and welcome. What a podcast it is this week. We've got lots of UCL live item promo chat. Yes, the new UCL promo is out and it's a good one. So we've got Matt Foot training in to talk about that and Black Friday. We've got the Foot Coach to discuss my weekend league finish because I went from Gold 2 to Elite 3. So I've got a few tips to share with you all, which certainly don't require sort of F2 text levels of FIFA ability. I'm your host and a free agent, Ben, and you're listening to the Foot Weekly Podcast on Foothead and all your usual podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to week nine of the Foot Weekly Podcast. And this week I'm joined by Matt Foot Trading. Hello, Matt. Hello, Ben. Good to be back on. Yeah, nice to have you on. Are you completing some kind of achievement? Because This is my hat yeah. trick, so I'm expecting, you know, a t-shirt or Yeah, well, Andy, Andy wanted post. like a match ball or something. Yes, yes. Please, with your face on. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, great to uh, have you here as well. The foot tactician, or should I say foot coach? Yep, I'm now on Twitter, at the foot coach. Mm. And uh, yeah, good to be back. I'm uh, I'm much like kickoff goals. No matter what you do, you can't get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, we'll probably talk about that a bit later. In fact, we're going to have a slightly different podcast layout this week because normally we talk about kind of players specifically and a bit of trading and team of the week and all that in the second half but we're probably going to do that in the first half for a very special reason this week for now although we want to talk about the ucl promotion i guess we've had over the past week excitement includes the champions league theme tune playing when you get a walkout which is quite fun but uh, also a load of really interesting cards which essentially they're dynamic but they improve in quite a different way to your standard one-to-watch items, Matt. Yes, and firstly, I did not know the Champions League theme played when you uh, got a walkout. It just shows my pack like this. <laughs> um, the way they upgrade, so it's it's a bit unique, you know, obviously with like normal ones-to-watch items, they've got a chance of upgrading every week, but with Champions League items, they get specifically upgraded when their team progresses to like the next stage of the Champions League, so... For example, like if Liverpool get to like the semi-finals, Fabinho would probably go from an 86 to an 87 to an 88, and then maybe to an 89 if uh, if Liverpool progress to the uh, it's like the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So it's not so much just around the sort of specific player now; it's instead based around how the overall team performs in the competition, which is really interesting. Steve, you're not involved in training so much, but. Why do you think that might be? It sounds like I'm a teacher or something. Why do you think that might be especially interesting and make things a bit different? I think it gives the uh, the added element of engaging people with real-life football. So if they're to invest in a certain card, they can obviously support that team through the stages mm. of, of the Champions League or, or if they fall out of the Champions League, obviously the uh, the Europa League. Um, so I think it's, it's great in terms of engaging people with, with real-life football and... You know, a lot of people who play FIFA, they're not particularly attached to a certain team. Mm. So it, it may give added value in that sense. Yeah, I think a few people, Americans, were kind of saying, you know, I don't have a European team I support. Or maybe they don't have a sort of really ever had a specific team they support that much. And, you know, I guess they can pick up a Davinson Sanchez or or Alexis Sanchez or one of the other Sanchez's that <laughs> are in this team of the week. Um, and There are several Sanchez, Sanchez yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this team of the week and, and they can then support that team, which is quite quite exciting and what i find quite fascinating matt and you'll probably um really get into this this year is how you know with the two-legged nature of a champions league match you could potentially yeah. have the psg barcelona situation where yeah exactly um, which actually point. you know i think it was yasir was saying on twitter i think it was yasir is a live content producer for ea so will have been heavily involved in this was kind of saying that's one of the inspirations for this because obviously imagine that game where psg were well, looking like they were absolute nailed on um, winners of that tie after the first leg. PK, for example, uh, you know, he he would have been really, really low because nobody was ever going to expect 
Barcelona to progress and him to get the upgrade. Um, admittedly, he's probably the worst, one of the worst players in this team because he's, yeah. he's probably the only one, yeah, what, the only player below seventy pace in the team. Um, um, I think he is. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty quick team actually. But yeah, he'd be really low, and then obviously going into the second leg, really unexpectedly shoot up massively in price. So I guess that's going to be quite an interesting little um, little trick to be to be able to do in in the trading kind of community. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, building on that point as well, you know, it could also work very nicely with like the the knockout stage draws, for example. So, you know, if Liverpool or, you know, if Man City, they get drawn against, you know, no offence to Ajax fans out there if you're a a supporter, but if they get drawn against Ajax, for example, Mm. some might see that as quite an easy draw, you know, might increase the likelihood of of them progressing to the next stage. So that could potentially, you know, boost the price of of the Man City live items up for a little amount of time, you know, and then, you know, could also work on the flip side, you know, if someone gets, you know, if, you know, Porto get drawn against Bayern, for example. Maybe that Alex Tellez card maybe falls down in value because people don't think that Porto can go and beat Bayern. So I think, yeah, it does, you know, offer a lot more sort of different, you know, types of uh, sort of periods in which we can, you know, make quick profits from Hmm. sort of flipping the cards and investing in them, Um, which is always good. You know, I'm a trader. We always like to find new sort of opportunities to make coins on FIFA. And these certainly provide us with that. So I'm I'm happy. I'm a happy chap. Matt, are we are we talking about trading here, or are we are we talking perhaps about gambling? <laughs> I mean that that's the way you want to look at it, you know. Do you want to bank on uh, on someone getting an easy run through the uh, through the Champions League, or do you go and uh, you know try and act quickly when the the actual draws are announced? That's the uh, that's the thing, you know. You're bound to get the sort of the the riskier investors that are like, no, nah, okay, Man City. There are there are four C the way where they get a good team or a bad team, they're going to progress, and then you're going to get the people that they want to wait until you know we see what the draws are like to then go and make their moves. So, I think it's interesting from both perspectives whether you want to call it you know quote unquote gambling of uh, you know whether the draws are going to be favourable or not, or whether you want to wait and see what the uh, the actual draws are like. So I, I like it either way. I like it either way. And we should say like some of the upgrades these players will get if they do go to a final. And when I say a final, I'm saying a final because they could also go to the Europa League final. Yes. Yep. Um, and they'll get upgrades on their way to that, which is particu- particularly interesting for the likes of, I guess, Fabinho, who could end up in the Europa League, but with Liverpool having a way better chance of getting to the final in that yeah, rather exactly. than in the, the Champions League. So it would almost boost his value if they dropped into the Europa League yeah. um, without actually maybe many people realising, so that'd be kind of interesting. Um, but the other thing is that uh, obviously, there are, well, you know, you were, Steve was talking about gambling, but there'll be plenty of ways which I'm sure traders will use to kind of not gamble essentially and, and make quite kind of solid um, yeah. ways of trading with them. You know, like the whole thing with one to watch is not performing and then buying them. Yeah. I imagine when a team gets knocked out, there'll be a panic sell um, especially if it's you know last minute in a game or something like that, and those players really are still good cards. They've been upgraded already. This team's already an upgraded team, and yep. they probably will have already had upgrades. So you imagine some of the more useful players could see a significant drop when they go out, even though they're quite valuable. You know, someone like I'm thinking someone like Sanchez, who's probably one yeah. of the best. Sorry, Davin Santa, yeah, Sanchez, Davinson. who's probably one of the best centre backs in the Premier League, if not the best. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. You know, he could see a real jump. Yep. That's a, that's a really good point. You know, they are in forms after all. I know they've got the, the shiny card design, but they are upgrades from their base cards. So, you know, people are still going to want to pay, you know, the extra money for like a Davinson Sanchez, even if he does get knocked out, uh, because mm. he's probably going to be the best version of that card throughout the entire year. You know, centre-backs aren't tip nor, you know, necessarily the easiest position to get upgraded. Um, mm. So, yeah, if there, there could be good opportunities to sort of like buy in after, you know, panic selling and then, you know, flip after awards or whatever um mm. so yeah good opportunities either way so, some of these cards they look like ridiculously good value to me right now i mean i've i've been grinding the uh the jonathan tar weekly objective okay and i bought a sanchez the renato variety i think there's three isn't there in the yeah. uh in the team i bought renato sanchez he's currently 132,000 on ps4 118 yeah. on xbox and his stats are ridiculous you you slap a shadow on him and He's kind of, if people think back to uh, to FIFA 16 and FIFA 17 when he was really underpowered, yeah, yeah. he's he's way beyond that. I mean, with the stats we're talking about, 96 acceleration, this is with a shadow, by the way, 96 acceleration, 91 sprint speed, 
82 interceptions, 94 aggression, 90 stamina. And and this card's going for 132,000 right now, and he's guaranteed to be upgraded, because Bayern Munich aren't just going to fall out of European competition at this stage. It, it, it just seems like a no-brainer to pick one up. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and this is, you know, one of the big questions that sort of people are asking me and sort of every possible Twitter trader there is. Um, you know, these cards, they're going to be getting massive upgrades throughout the season, especially players like Renato Sanchez, who play for, like, a good team. The issue is, is the longevity of, you know, that card that you're going to have to hold to see, like, these big upgrades, you know. Yes, this Renato Sanchez could very easily go to like an 87 or 88 if Bayern get to like the quarters, the semis, which they're very likely to do. But you've got to think both, am I going to be using a Renato Sanchez for that length of time? Is his price potentially going to come down before he gets one of these big upgrades? You know, we've got Black Friday upcoming, then, you know, in probably three, four weeks after that, you've got or no, only a couple of weeks after that, you've got the the whole Futmus promotion and then you've got like Team of the Year and that kind of thing. So there's a potential for this card to come lower while he's still only like an 81 or potentially an 84 if we see an upgrade, you know, in the next sort of month or so. So that's the only reason why I'd potentially say maybe steer clear for now because there's probably going to be an opportunity to buy back for cheaper in the next few weeks while he's still the same rating. I think that's a really good point and it's something we always discuss the idea that in the early stages of the game and we're kind of still there there aren't that many players out there that people can kind of pick and especially meta players or players that they want to use and fit into their teams and 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 so the price of new cards onto the market is particularly high I think at this stage and then once we see alternatives coming into the game as time goes on and those these cards I think will probably get forgotten about around Christmas um, and into January especially come team of the year time when you've still got maybe a month to go until the competition starts up again because there's this weird, like long period in, in between the group stage and the start of the knockout phase. So I could really see someone like, I don't know, Damison Sanchez or maybe Ronaldo Sanchez. Well, anyone really, I mean, actually being much lower as you're saying, like around that time. But then of course, I suppose if there's, if this is someone you want to use regularly and they're going to improve your team significantly, then he, he Renato Sanchez, for example, does look really good um, and he's going to improve a team. So, Maybe he's worth that, but it's, it, to me, I, I, it's interesting because Steve said seems like good value, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like a lot of these players are quite expensive. Can I just interject a second? Um, if anybody wants to buy a UCL Live Renato Sanchez, this <laughs> one newly listed on the market, um, it's got Shadow Chem style, uh, ninety nine contracts, ninety nine fitness, and it's one hundred thirty five thousand. <laughs> well, we want to talk about Black Friday as well, really, Matt, don't we? Because yeah. that's probably playing into the, some of these player prices a little bit. You know, um, mm. I actually think someone like Davinson Sanchez, if you compare him to Van Dyke's inform, it's actually yeah. quite quite a difference. I mean, 160k for Davinson Sanchez, yeah. and Van Dyke's like 169k. No, for sure, they like some some play, like Davinson. To be honest, Davinson looks like he's not a terrible price because he's. You know, he's a he's a very, very in-demand card. I think his UCL card, you know, before we had all the SBCs requiring them was, you know, he was relatively expensive. I think he was around the 150 mark, and that was, like, a few weeks ago. Um, I don't know. It's a tricky one, because I think for some defenders that aren't likely to get upgraded throughout the year, that play for good teams like that PK, for example, they're not bad. Okay, they're not bad looks. They are pretty much guaranteed upgrades. But I don't know. I don't know. I just don't love them right now. I think they're going to come down before they rise again because of the amount of time we're going to have to wait on those upgrades. Um, But yeah, I'd also sort of want to throw in, do we know what actually happens if they get an inform card outside of the Champions League? I don't think it affects the UCL live items. No, no, it doesn't. So that is, again, you're right, worth considering. And like, presumably that upgrade goes on top of the UCL card. So like, uh, I don't. I think it would just be on the normal card. But the way this works, anyway, I think they'd get a an inform that would be the same rating as the UCL live item because the UCL's the effect effectively an inform upgrade on the regular card already. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. yeah. So that's something else we've got to consider. You know, if if like Griezmann gets an inform, for example, that goes to a ninety rating, is he going to be you know one point one million? probably mm. not he'll probably be closer to sort of like maybe 800 900k so that's another thing we've got to, we've got to start to consider you know if, if some players start to get informs that you know potentially might surpass the the champions league item you know what happens to the 
you know the UCL live item in that in that regard. So it's it's interesting. I think that's that's what we can take away from it. It's all it's a new yeah, it's, it's a new promotion. It's it early provides days. opportunities. It's yeah, it's early days. It's early days. So obviously on top of this really quite good team, we've had four uh, SBCs for Europa League items. So we've had Marcus Alonso. Henrik Mkhitaryan uh, more recently and then before that we've got Sergei Milinkovic Savic SMS and uh, Jonathan Tarr as well um, which we'll discuss in a second but I think it kind of caught the trading community and maybe just generally people by surprise the uh, player SBCs and the whole promotion in fact yeah I mean I think it's more so like we haven't seen a ridiculous amount of like player SBCs outside of like what we usually expect like player of the month and now these you know foot swap items and a few flashback cards and that so to have this many SBCs in such a short space of time you know for live items as well it's you know it's it's not a curveball but it's it's not really something that that we've seen too much of this year from EA and I must say some of the some of the investments that people have been making for them have been very very nice sort of like these these 84 rated and uh sort of like the ucl 85s 84s that kind of thing that are required in these SBCs. they have absolutely flown absolutely flown and that's really good for traders that's brilliant so steve have you done any of these SBCs yet nope do you intend to do any of the SBCs? nope not even <laughs> the tar not, oh well, yeah, that's not an SBC, is it? That's a that's a weekly oh, objective. It is an SBC. Yeah, you still got SBC. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I am going to do it, but I, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'm trying to grind out the weekly objective at the minute. Um, yeah, fair I mean, it I is. think actually, I was wondering about this. Um, Matt might have a take on it. Um, I think people have been a lot more motivated to play division rivals this week to try and grind out for the Jonathan Tarr card. So people are going to be earning a lot more coins. Um, and they're going to be getting better rewards on Thursday. Would that affect the market? Um, potentially. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many people have been sort of grinding out division rivals specifically for that for that Jonathan Tar card. I don't think it's going to be noticeable. I'd say. Um, I wouldn't say it's a not- not- noticeable increase. Um, you know, there might be a few more coins on the market, but I think you know weekend league rewards straight afterwards. You know, that's always quite a big sort of injection of coins into the market well yeah we, i mean presumably we've had quite a lot of coins come off the market this week with the sbcs mm. yep. um, that have happened those three sbcs have i think been quite popular i mean we did a poll on our twitter which suggested that something like 40 odd percent of people who'd seen that poll which was a few thousand um thought that actually they were going to do the alonso sbc and this is a 76 pace left back who in my book is not maybe even worth it even if he gets a 91 rated card um, for getting to the Europa League final I know Steve you also chimed in on Twitter and said it was a a kind of crazy thing to do at this stage yeah he's terrible I don't understand it at all (laughs) I don't know why people are doing it you're mad I I think you know people see a 100k pack and all logic and you know sense of value Mm. for their coins it just goes out the window they think I'm going to be packing a Prime R9 in this pack, you know, nothing else. Um, mm. And you know, it wasn't. It gave 135k in pack value, and when it was first released, I think it was only 100k roughly mm. to do. It was 150, maybe, I think, but maybe a little bit less. I don't know. But like, if people have like untradables in there and can get that cost down to like, I said, if they could get it done for like 75k, it's not terrible because yeah, maybe. You know, yeah. Chelsea, think, you know, they're likely to go far in the Europa League, you know, bar a potential upset to maybe like someone like Sevilla or something. Mm. So he was probably going to get like a minimum 88, 89 left back. You know, if you want to have that as maybe a center, like a CDM super sub in your weekend league team, it's mm. not not too bad. And, you know, if you get lucky in the packs, it's not terrible. I just, but, know, I just feel like if I'm going to have a you know is it is he currently is he'll get an upgrade presumably for getting out of the group stage or whatever yeah. but even then i'd probably still take mendy i'd probably still take inform robertson um yeah. who's out right now i don't really understand even the logic of like him as a player like he's not very agile he's yeah. not got good balance even if he had a 91 rated card you're only going to get that come 
team of the season anyway when there'll be, probably be a better left back from the Premier League in that team. And even with the pace upgrades, he's still going to be slower than Erosion. He's never going to be, you know, against the pacey wingers and that, he's going to get murdered. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even in the current team of the week that we've had announced today, you've got uh, Andy Robertson. You know, mm. he's 84 left back, exactly the same, better pace. You know, he's probably going to be, you know, a better performer in game. Yeah, I think I think the only reason you know people are drawn to it is because of that hundred k pack. And you know, I I haven't seen as many people you know talking about completing like the Mikatarian SBC or even the Malinkovic Savage SBC because of the pack rewards. You know, I think that's that's a big driver. And I wouldn't necessarily say the player itself is you know it comes into it. It's like a little like nice thing to get on the side. But I think people see a hundred k pack and you know it just it just goes out the window. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think also perhaps there was a kind of novelty value in that it was the first one that was bought out, so people didn't perhaps realise that other other cards were coming, and maybe they'd have saved their coins if uh, if they'd known what was on the horizon. Yeah, even though it said specifically in the uh, <laughs> in the info that uh, there would be four of these SBCs. Yeah, not not everybody reads the info, Ben. Yeah, that's they true. definitely don't. Um, <laughs> Nobody reads the small print. People such as myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, well, it's probably time to move on to the final aspect of trading this week, which will be Black Friday, of course, which we've spoken about on the podcast before. Pretty exciting time for traders and players alike. And Steve, I know before we came on the podcast today, you were mentioning to Matt off air about how maybe uh, the market had already had its dip, perhaps. What was your kind of reasoning behind that? Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the uh, the index 100, um, which is obviously some sort of guide to market movements, if you take the index price on the 16th of October it was up at 157 points Mm. and since then on the 11th of November it dropped to 97 points so we're talking about almost a third being wiped off the market value and that's that's quite a sharp decline Mm. yeah Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying Um, all I will say is the index 100 and this is something that you know a lot of people use not only traders um, a lot of the FIFA community uses like gauge where the overall market's been going all i would say is it's like it's an overall indication potentially but it takes into account you know every single type of card so while it may say that you know the market was at its lowest theoretically at you know 97 points at the weekend it doesn't mean that every single card in the game was at its lowest point so for example like if you're talking about like a, a striker Ronaldo, you know, CR7, you know, if you're looking at Messi, Mbappe, they're actually still relatively high and they weren't actually at their, their lowest points around that time. Um, so I think people have just got to take it with a, a slight pinch of salt when looking at that kind of thing because people have also been saying, you know, the market was at 97 points, now it's at like 112 points. You know, why didn't I buy it the weekend, etc. But a lot of cards haven't actually risen you know, mm. effectively, what is it, like 10, 20%. Um, you know, what that's caused by has been, you know, these SBCs that have pushed the price of, like, the low-end 84s that are used in SBCs up. They've pushed, you know, 84 informs up. They've pushed uh, some UCL cards up. Um, and that's obviously sort of, like, skewing the data to make it look like the market's actually risen a lot. Um, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, if that makes sense. So like, no, that does make sense. So it's basically like the kind of players that you're looking to buy may well have not actually gone up, if that makes sense, because they have just been inflated by other things. Yeah, I mean, the the examples of those cards would be like, obviously like the high-end meta cards, like you mentioned, like your Ronaldo's, your Messi's, your Mbappe's, that kind of thing. But also like prime icons, a lot of them still have to drop. Some of them are even still going up in places. Um so yeah, some of those we do still have to, you know, try and be a little bit patient on, try and wait it out to see if they do drop. So really, rather than focusing on the on the index one hundred, you're much better off focusing on the individual cards that you want to buy. Like if you've got an idea of the of the team that you want to put together yes. during the crash, Absolutely. you're better off focusing on the individual prices. Absolutely. Now, what I've done is I've made sort of concept squads, and you know I've been tracking the prices, you know, pretty much daily as to where these cards have been going. And I haven't seen big enough dips to sort of warrant me buying yet. You know, usually, you know, you look at, you know, Ronaldo from last year, he went from like around about the sort of like 1.9 to 2 mil mark. He went down to about 1.7, 1.8 mil. Whereas this year, he's he's barely dropped at all. You know, on some days he's even risen up. So the higher tier stuff hasn't dropped enough for me. Um, you know, some of the lower, like the really low stuff. So like if you want to look at like, 
your your Freds, you know, your Anthony Martials, that kind of thing. Those have dropped significantly because a lot of people have been selling them. You know, people are getting more and more coins. They're starting to upgrade now to, you know, your Pogba's and your Mbappe's and your Kante's and that kind of thing. And those cards are sort of staying quite high. So we might see that we don't actually get, you know, a, a market crash or a pre-crash until, you know, the first set of Black Friday lightning rounds or something like that, um, mm. which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's not happened for a little while, I guess. And But I suppose I feel people do wise up to the market a bit year to year and maybe it's kind of time for that to happen, if you like. You know, things go in cycles and maybe this year that's what we'll see. Yeah, I think the the bad, the, not necessarily a bad assumption that people made, but an assumption they made was that sort of every year things start happening earlier because people look at lot, like past trends and, you know, they might panic sell a little bit earlier to avoid a potential, you know, imminent crash. But this year... You know, if we're, you know, waiting for a so-called pre-crash, it's actually coming a little bit later than mm. when, it, when it happened the year prior. So um, I, I think that's, it's good. It keeps it nice and fresh. And I think from a, a trader's perspective, it's it's always good to have these situations that you have to sort of adapt in, you know, and it separates the men from the boys, if you want to <laughs> put it that way. I don't know. So uh, talking of what to do around Black Friday, and sorting the men from the boys. Um, a particular question <laughs> that we've had in, which I guess you probably get a lot, is uh, Kyle asks, I've got 300k to invest. How do I turn that into 400 to 500k it's during the, Black Friday? It is uh, he the clearly, best question. He clearly doesn't want any more than 500k, so be careful. If you make him 600k, that's not on. He wants 500k oh, yeah, to <laughs> Um, um, so yeah but I know that is the kind of thing that a lot of people want to know so it is the kind of thing people are, are kind of talking about I guess around now yeah for sure I mean what I'll say I'm going to talk specifically about like during Black Friday I'm not going to talk about leading up to it because you know by the time this podcast has been released you know we might have had like big like Black Friday market crash videos or you know the market mm. might have reacted a little bit differently so I'm going to talk sort of like try and say what to do during Black Friday um, so Basically, what you need to be doing is you have to understand during Black Friday on, you know, Black Friday itself and on Cyber Monday, we get uh, big like lightning rounds, which are sort of like flash uh, pack sales, you know, have like 100k packs, 50k packs, 125k packs, um, typically with like a global limit for one hour. And what that does is it gets a lot of people opening packs in a short space of time. And you can pick up some very good deals on, you know, your cards like Fabinho's. I mean, if you want to go sort of like the lower end stuff, you can get on the snipes during that as well. Pick up some very, very good deals. And then typically, you know, if you want to wait like maybe a week after Black Friday or even sometimes only a few days after the promotion, what happens is you have people sort of spending those coins and uh, that typically tends to rise the price of like these you know weekend league demanded players so my advice would be get on you know your your weekend league demanded players they're always very very nice little investments during lightning rounds um mm -hmm. look at the team of the week that will have impacts because i know team of the week 10 last year it, it screwed a lot of people over but you know always look at the lower end stuff because they will tend to rise whether it be for sbcs or, you know, if there's a few little, like, gems in there, um, they will rise up nicely. So, weekend lead demanded players, current team of the week, maybe some cards used in SBCs as well. So, like, your 84s, your 85s, maybe some, like, special cards if they drop down low enough to maybe, like, discard. They're always good looks. And that should, hopefully, take your 300k to uh, 500k, potentially even 600k. Let's hope. Oof, dangerous. Uh, within <laughs> dangerous territory within, uh, sort of, a few days of that Black Friday promotion. So as Matt brings those Black Friday insights to a close, we also bring the first half of this podcast to a close. Plenty more coming up, including how I went from Gold 2 to Elite 3 in the Weekend League. See you in just a second. When was the last time you thought about your batteries? I mean, that's what they do, right? Stay unnoticed, unseen, shoved in a battery compartment, and click, your stuff works. But you're going to be thinking about this one. Duracell Optimum, the battery that can make your devices work even better than Copper Top. Toothbrushes, faster. Screwdrivers, faster. RC cars, yeah. An upgrade without upgrading. So just this one time, do you and your devices a favor and upgrade to the power of Duracell Optimum. Hey guys, it's Wayback HD here, and you're listening to the Foot Weekly Podcast. 
If you're enjoying this podcast, there are, of course, many ways to subscribe. And one of those is Spotify. Just go to the Spotify app and type in Foot Weekly to find us. Hit subscribe and you'll have all our podcasts when they come out. Welcome back from the break, everybody. It was a very rewarding break for me. Um, Very handy to get those tips from Matt on how to make five million during the Black (laughs) Friday crash. How was your break, Matt? Oh, that's fantastic. Even better than the uh, the first two breaks I've had on the uh, on the pod. Third one was the best. <laughs> and also in the second half of the show, we welcome back Ben, who this week is doubling up as our elite player. So welcome back, Ben. Um, yeah. We're all dying to find out how you managed to make the leap from gold gold three, was it, I believe, into the elite rankings? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, was, I got gold two a few times and then got elite last weekend, which is quite a big jump, actually. And, and I don't think I've got elite in the time that weekend league has been uh, in existence essentially but one of the things i was thinking is actually the things that i did to kind of achieve elite i feel are things that don't require some kind of crazy ability at the game and one of the big things is tactics and, and steve you're on of course and we thought we'd discuss this but actually links quite well with a question that schmid a listener to the podcast had which was about how game plans are used to kind of change the game because I think there's an assumption from some people that maybe game plans are for changing your tactics so changing your pressing changing your defensive line and those kind of things but actually I was mainly using it to have a couple of different formation options while I was playing so I could adapt to the system that my opponent was playing is that something you do Steve or like do you tend to keep it quite straightforward it's something that I've started doing more recently um, I kind of fell into that trap of of basically continuing the the pattern that had been set before where ultra-attacking would be ultra-attacking, ultra-defensive would be an ultra-defensive system. But yeah, more recently I've kind of tried to accommodate a narrow shape, a a pretty wide shape, so 4-4-2. I've specifically designed a system to combat high pressing, which can be... It can be a real nuisance, to be honest. I mean, you, you can play through it and you can beat it, but it's it's you constantly feel under pressure playing the game. It sort of spoils the fun a little bit. So I came up with something where I could pretty much cut through that quite quickly and quite often force a few rage quits, actually, which really helps when you're playing mm. high-pressure players. Um, but, yeah, no, I've, I've certainly uh, come around to the way of thinking that rather than, than having specifically attacking or defensive systems, you, you're much better off having some kind of breadth of, of of shapes really so that as you say you can uh, you can outnumber your opponent in midfield perhaps or you can attack down the down the wings if you're playing against a narrow shape I, I think that you've spoken with me before about having a three at the back system to combat the yeah, narrow systems I've, yeah it's always been something that I've kind of done but I do feel like it works pretty well this year and the, the fact that you can kind of with the game plan system now see a narrow formation come up so like the three basically anything around the four three one two and even in fact the four three two one so with the left forward and right forward it can work against as well if they're playing quite narrow and switch to the uh th- a three at the back quite early in the game um and then you've set yourself up so your three center backs are covering the central space you've got your two holding midfielders and um you tend to find unless they're really quality player who's using their left back and right back to attack a lot and those left back and right back players that they have are are really quite good I think you do tend to dominate the opposition in terms of possession and and the shape it's just so much better at counteracting the the narrow formation than your kind of standard 4-2-3-1s etc and uh, I really felt like with that formation if they're better than me then often the the difference if you like in ability would be compensated for in the in the tactical matchup basically and it's kind of interesting because last year I tried to do this and it kind of worked, but definitely not as well as it's worked this year. And I think partly maybe it's the way that I played it, like really using the wide positions as much as possible um, to stretch the narrow formation to make them drag their players out. And also, if you need to, switching to the three four two one to do that. So you've obviously then got two wide players rather than just the um, left mid, right mid, um, which works really well as well. So... I'd say what I'm trying to get at is if you can have formations ready for when you come up against formations that are kind of trickier to face in your normal formation, then it will make quite a big difference um, across the course of a weekend league. For a start, the, the three at the back is just so underused this year and so effective against those narrow formations that I really feel like if you do use that against a narrow formation, you're really going to, well, your opponent's really going to struggle because they're not going to be used to that. I think you're absolutely right, Ben. Um 
I think it's like so many other things. If you if you're prepared to invest the the time that it takes to to learn these systems, then you're going to get you're going to get rewarded accordingly. The mistake I think would be to just set your your systems, you know, sort of preload your formations and think, okay, if I go to this, um, this will counteract what my opponent's playing and it'll be fine. You've got to have, you know, as you kind of alluded to when you were talking there, um, you've got to have some sort of plan of of, of how you're going to actually deploy this system you know you've got to have some sort of idea of if you're going to go to the 4411 you're going to try and abuse the overlaps with the fullbacks or if, if you're trying to counteract the press that you're going to play long balls up to the striker you can't just sort of switch to the system and think that it's magically going to work for you you've got to put a bit of time into getting used to it and figuring out where its strengths and weaknesses are yeah i totally agree with that and i think it's also really important, of course, player choice. And in the three at the back, if you're going to switch to a three at the back, you've got to have um, players who can fill in in those roles. I've had Lucas Hernandez, um, the inform, and he's really quick. So he's fine to play as like the wide left centre-back or right centre-back. Uh, he's left-footed. Um, and I, one another tip I found this weekend was actually, weirdly, having your centre-backs swapped over is sometimes quite helpful um, because people cut in and finesse so much. So if you're, you've got a left-footed centre-back like Lucas Hernandez, having it let him at left centre-back, while well, that's good, it's, it's fine, it's good. Um, having him at right centre-back, I actually found quite good because players so often try and cut inside to take the finesse. Having his strong foot there to make the tackle or the block seemed to be doing better for me, if that makes sense. Um, which no, is- it's, a really, it's a really good point. And I mean, it's, it's a natural progression, really. I mean, pretty much every player on the pitch now is, is inverted in the mm. sense that his, his strong foot is on the, on the wrong side. So, yeah, that, I like the way you're thinking there, the idea of the, uh, the inverted centre-back. Yeah, nice so, so that was the, the like, plan. When I switched to that three at the back, I'd have Lucas Hernandez. I've got Lala in form, of course, and second in form, and uh, Sergio Ramos in the middle. So a very solid back three. Um, but then also you need wingers who actually do the sort of donkey work as a right mid and left left mid. And I actually use uh, Jordi Alba as the um, left mid because although he's not got, you know, four-star skills, um, he really does make great runs going forward. So um, that worked quite well. And on the right, I'd normally... I tend to actually sub in Lucas when I could. Um, actually, sorry, just Matt, are you, are you still with us? You I am still with <laughs> you. Struggling through. I've been I've been noting this down. Don't we've, we've had to sit. Well, I've had to sit and listen to all this market waffle. I think this is only fair, really. <laughs> I need to learn. I need to learn. I think my, my best my best finish this year is gold ones. So. Um, so obviously that's been quite big for me. The three at the back formation working well. I'd say when you're playing three at the back, especially the. 3-5-2 there's a bit of a tendency to kind of rush the play through your cam and striker and striker it's really important that you use your wide players that's kind of why you're playing the formation to, to utilize the wide positions against the narrow formation and it i personally have always had problems with the 3-5-2 uh, rushing it in the final third and i think it's actually something that i probably the biggest thing i did this weekend was whenever i scored i'd keep the ball for like 10 passes and whenever my opponent scored, I would also keep the ball for like about 10 passes. Just getting that psychological feeling that like if they've just scored, they're not in control. On the other hand, if you've just scored, that they are not in control and they've just conceded. The amount of times that I had players, a few times, not loads, but a few play- players would quit when you were passing the ball around. And when I was saying passing the ball around, there's a bit of a negative misconception about passing the ball around, especially with your defenders. But with players like Sergio Ramos, with Lucas Hernandez, they can pass the ball really well. I was able to play the ball around. They'd try and press because I'd just scored, for example. I'd maybe manage to pass it through a few players who used a bit of a lob pass to get out or whatever. And often I'd pass it in my defence a bit and you'd find that you score because your opponent's frustrated and it makes things easier. And I, I think it sounds like such a simple thing. And I know people might think, oh, well, I do try that. But seriously, like just set it as a rule like say okay every game I play whenever I get the ball back after I've scored or they've scored your instinct shouldn't be to try and abuse the kickoff glitch because keep the ball and frustrate your opponent and the psychological damage that it will do is worth so much more than the kickoff goal that you might have scored if that makes sense I think that's great advice for the uh, for the more advanced players perhaps but I think that probably a lot of people at the lower ends of the game, um, I, I think they'll be. <laughs> I think I think they'll be sitting there, kind of 
screaming at the tablet or phone or what have you well you know it's all good and well Ben saying this but as soon as I've scored a goal I, I face this high pressure I've got three players running at me all the time and I can't pass it so you know how am I meant to do that well that's interesting because you do have quite a good tactic don't you for for high press that you've been using yeah I do yeah um, nice link I didn't intend that actually <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um, I found that the the four four two two is is pretty effective at this and what I've well to, to give the sort of full background at the, at the start of FIFA 19 I had this idea that maybe um, if, if I was going to create any kind of real life custom tactic one that would have been effective would have been something akin to, to Leicester City's um, title winning tactic which which effectively involved fast build up and getting it forward to Vardy as quickly as possible or Mares. Um, so they'd sit back, they'd soak up the pressure, and then boom, 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 three or four passes, Vardy's in, and uh, it's 1-0. So that's something that I looked at early on, and I shelved it. Um, but it's something that I've come back to recently when trying to find a way through the constant pressure. The thing that you've got to avoid when you're facing constant pressure is giving the ball away centrally. That's that's the cardinal sin. If, if you do that, play's going to come back at you far too quickly, your defenders won't be able to reposition and you're likely to concede a goal-scoring opportunity within within seconds of, of turning the ball over. Mm. So what you really need to be doing is pumping it clear to the wings. And one of the things that you can really exploit when you come up against somebody who's playing constant pressure is that they're often left with just two centre-backs defending and everybody else is pushed forward into your half. So when you pump the ball out to a winger, and this is particularly effective if you're if you're talking about one of the, the bigger more physical wingers your Gareth Bales or um, your your Perisic is that type of player once you get it up to the winger you'll find that your uh, your strikers make a run and you'll often end up with at least a three on two breakaway or often a four on two breakaway mm. but the important thing here as well is to, to make sure that you've got enough bodies back to be able to absorb the pressure mm. so because because your opponent's being very aggressive and pushing everybody into your half, you need to get into your player instructions, you need to set your strikers to come back on defence, you need to set your, your wingers to come back on defence. You basically want to pack your half with as many players as you can. And then, when you get the ball, it's just a case of flipping it up. Often the most the most useful pass is the, um, the driven through ball, not the driven through ball, the lobbed through ball, not only are you kind of relieving the pressure, you're also giving yourself that chance that if I do win this header, then I'm going to have a three on two, a four on two, and my odds of scoring are increased dramatically. Mm. And when you do that and you're successful two or three times and your opponent gets the idea, hang on, he's on to me. He knows how to how to deal with this. Then you'll find that the amount of rage quits you get against these players, once they're found out, it, it makes it much easier and they just tend to sort of go away and drift off mm. I'm, I'm hearing Steve talk about all the people rage quitting and drifting off and I'm just like yeah that's me that's me <laughs> 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 I'll be honest it's very effective and it, it, it is, is, it's, it is it's a real it's, it's a I mean I I was driven to, to work on this and come up with some sort of plan because you know I'm the same as everybody else I play the game and I come up against problems and you think oh god this isn't fun So so you try and design some way out of it Mm. I think that's for, for me, I mean, obviously, like, I, I'm sitting here noting all this down, trust me. Um, but I think the biggest problem for me, during weekend league specifically, is I'll go on, like, a 10-11 game win streak, okay? I'll be, like, 15-0, and 0, whatever. I was actually, I think I was 13-0 and 0 a couple of weekends ago. I lose one game, and then it just crumbles, you know? It's that, it's that you know... It's that choke people speak of, you know, that, that dreaded choke that everyone everyone gets, you know, on the you know the Saturday evening or the Sunday morning, whatever, when they they've had really good records and they end up losing like eight games in a row. But I just don't understand it. You know, I'm, I could be playing the best FIFA in the world, or by my standards anyway. You know, gold too much and over here, I'll lose one game and then I'll end up, you know, choking six, seven, eight games in a row. And that's mm. something that I can't avoid, regardless of how much I concentrate, how much I, you know, try and replicate what I was doing before. Um What I'd suggest, Matt, or what I'd question is whether you're playing great FIFA 
I mean, or whether you're playing against people who aren't who aren't great at FIFA, if you see what I mean. That's because true. That is true. Quite often, you'll you'll find that you your ELO is at a certain level, and yeah. you'll meet a set of opponents who aren't possibly the best players in the world. Yep. That's and you true. get into a kind of groove playing these players at, at a certain level. Potentially. And potentially. I mean, when 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 your ELO kicks in, and you you meet an opponent who's a who's a bit better player. You've kind of slipped into a, a complacent th- mindset. Yeah, I think for me, the only issue is, like, I get your point about the yellow, makes perfect sense. But I could be doing great until I lose a game, and then it just sort of, it's like a, a, like a, like a switch has flipped, and now I'm just instantly coming across better players. That's what it feels like. I don't mm. know. It's, it's really weird. I could, like. It may well be the case for all we know that that's exactly what's happening. Maybe. And that's where you've just got to up your game a bit maybe, because you're, you're meeting the. The tougher players. Maybe. Well, if you if you read the pitch notes about how weekendly works, that the, there is form, and your form increases. It will go up to I think a maximum of fifteen. So if you win yeah. thirteen games, your form's plus thirteen, um, mm. and the maximum form that you can actually have is fifteen. So therefore, well, you you be you could probably come up against someone who who has twenty five wins at that point because well, their form's going to be fifteen, yours is going to be thirteen, and mm. I think thinking about the way form works, finally knowing it this year has been a positive for me because I think. Oh, I'm playing this guy when I'm like, I don't know, 15 and 1 at some point this weekend. Perhaps it helped actually that I lost around the seventh game. And it kind of took a little bit of the pressure off of thinking, oh, I'm unbeaten, you know. So I got to that point of being 15 and 1, and I faced someone who was really quite good. And I thought, fair enough, you know, like he's beating me. We kind of move on. And, and I think knowing that, well, that's reduced my form slightly, I need to think, well, this isn't the end of the world. Like it's still a good weekend. Even if I lose this next game resets your psychology a bit. And you're like, well, Mm. I've done well enough already. You know, let's just see how the next game goes. If I lose that as well, it's easy to get kind of caught into thinking, Oh no, this is the beginning of the slide. And this is the the point at which obviously Ben, sorry, Matt, um, what what you're saying is correct, obviously theoretically, but I mean, it, it may just be the case that you would say you're 15 and two, and you happen to be matched up with somebody else who's, let's say, for argument's sake, fifteen and two. Um, yeah. But there's no way of knowing that that player who's fifteen and two is not a pro player who's dropped mm-hmm. a couple of games yeah. for some ridiculous reason and is about to go on a, a twelve, thirteen game tear. You know, and, yeah, yeah. and finish with a great rank. You know, so totally it, take your point, but it doesn't eliminate the possibility that you're going to come up against somebody who's who's well beyond your your skill rating, if yeah. you like. It, it could also, it could also mm. just be like a placebo effect. You know, you mm. lose one game, you think, oh, it's all going to pot, and then you just, no, you, sure. you, you don't play the same as you were before. Um, I'm probably guilty of that. You know, one of my uh, PS4 controllers now sounds like a, uh, sounds like a maraca when I, uh, <laughs> when I shake it, you know, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Little snippet for you guys in the podcast there. Yeah, nice. Okay. It's what FIFA weekend league draws us to. <laughs> Actually, going back to sort of techniques that I wanted to point out to people, which are fairly kind of simple and you can do yourselves, um, no matter what level you are, is changing your camera. Um, a lot of people forget about this, but if you zoom out and use the co-op camera... Oh, actually, wait, I'm saying zoom out, but use the co-op camera and zoom in, I'd say. Um, mm. It gets you like a really good view of the pitch. And you were talking about switching across the pitch or passing it from, say, the right back to left back or something. Yep. Doing that on, on a co-op camera makes such a difference because you can see both players quite clearly, where they're marked, um, the movement of the players, etc. And I've got to be honest, for about, I'd say, 20, 30 games, I wasn't sure I liked it. And I think in the past I've tried to do it and thought, hmm, not for me. But actually, I think just stick with it and, and see what you can do because it really has, it just opens up the passing. You can see the shape of your opponent's team and against narrow teams, I just thought, I, it sounds like a bit cynical, but I just found it really fun, like doing a uh, a sort of lobbed pass between your right back and left back and watching them realise they don't actually have a player who can press there. Yeah. It's, it's essentially their strikers have to do it. And that's it's even better with the driven pass, actually, Ben, because it, it gets it over there much more quickly, yeah, yeah. and then you really do see them panic. And it, they just can't get to the ball, like the yeah. and and that either forces them to stop playing a stupid narrow formation. No offense to people who play stupid narrow formations, um, which I know many people do, or press you out wide, and that means you're they're opening up space in the centre. So um, stuff like that. Just think about the game, like, and I think this is something that for economists actually tweeted about not so long ago. It's like. Just concentrate on the game. Think about what you're doing. 
stop thinking about whether that decision has gone against you or et cetera, et cetera. If you want, Absolutely. To, if you want to be good at the game, and this is, it sounds silly to say it because I'm sure everyone knows, and I know that, but often I've been myself completely in a situation where I'm thinking about the decision that just went against me or the game that I just lost in the last minute. When, if you want to be a good sports person, if you want, which is essentially what you're kind of having to do here or have that brain and have that mindset, you kind of have to just forget about it and think, what am I doing now to beat this opponent that's in front of me? How can I get, Definitely. how can I get to them? I mean, you're effectively making yourself both the, the coach and the player by doing that because I would definitely endorse what you're saying. If you're going to play a more tactical game, the co-op camera is by far the best camera angle to use. Mm. Um, if you look at actual real-life football clubs, the, the coaches will always refer to tape of a match uh, that's that's been shot from high up in the stands. You mm. know, they're not at a sort of pitch level view all the time. That's that's the angle that they look at. It's called the tactical camera. That's the angle that they use to to get an overview of what's actually happening. So if you're going to try and switch formations to take advantage of your, of your opponent definitely switch to co-op i just want to add as well that um i'm not suggesting that you should play the driven pass from one right back to a to a left back i meant the driven lob pass i don't want people just hitting <laughs> hitting, <laughs> hitting driven passes on the ground from left Hospital back to right back and, yeah exactly ball, yeah. Um, don't do that kids yeah. no. and that's um that's rb r1 x or square right yeah that's right. right yeah and then the lobbed one is the other side basically it takes a little bit longer to get over there. It's not quite as effective against the press. Um, mm. I'd, I'd definitely recommend trying the driven lob pass for that. Yeah, yeah. Right then, Ben. So it's been an interesting conversation about how you uh, got your uh, Elite 3 finish. But the most important question from uh, Team of the Week 9, who are you going to pick in those player picks? I know you said you had that, uh, was it the League SBC Memphis to find? <laughs> so um, in before you get the 85 uh, in form in your player picks. Of course picks. it's going to happen, isn't it? Last year I had monthlies... Salah was my best pull of the year, but I had the one to watch untradeable anyway. So I think I'm definitely going to get that to high. And also, obviously, it's elite as well. And I've got to say, I don't think this is the best week. Um, or at least personally, I don't think it's the best week. It's quite good. You get, I think, three picks from five players for elite. So it's yes. kind of likely they'll get someone all right. But I think the chances, I mean, if you think about it, there's still so many low rated cards in there um, to yes. get. Um, yeah. And the top players in this team are not quite as desirable as perhaps their you know overall rating suggests like Cavani I'm not sure about him personally not a big fan obviously three star three star David Silva yeah and then Royce yeah he does look good like I I would he's, he's definitely the player that I probably want most I think out of this team but Thomas Partey looks looks really solid as well I know Steve he's someone very you're good. looking at and, and Matt he's probably someone who could I don't know hold his value a bit but be like a reasonable reasonable price card yeah, for sure. I mean, the good thing is, as a defensive mid in La Liga, there's not really too many like great mm. options. I think Jamie was actually talking about it on... It might have been on Nick's video. Um, they were talking about uh, Thomas Party, But I think, you know, apart from maybe like the scream Sergio Busquets and maybe like Casemiro, mm. and there's not really a lot of top Kondogby tier. is like the, the low rate, the sort of cheaper one, isn't he? Yeah. But he, he's got... Yeah, Casemiro is not great. Yeah, Casemiro is too yeah. slow, really, I think. But... You look at Thomas Party. He's got obviously that link to the um, inform Lucas Hernandez, which people love to use. Um, so I think he's going to be quite a nice little look as an investment. I also like that uh, little eighty-four Robertson at left back. You know, he's probably going to be the best uh, BPL left back for a while. Um, links to Fabinho, which is I think he is statistically the most used player in FIFA Ultimate Team this year. So that's obviously going to be a big one. Obviously, the Van Dyke as well link into that. So they're probably my two standout picks at the moment. I have to obviously see where the prices go to. Mm. But I like yeah, them. I like those guys as well. I think Chesney could be a decent option, as yep. you may know. If you put glove on a player with those stats, they actually get maxed out diving, handling, and positioning. So that and eighty nine reflexes on a guy who's like six foot four or five, I think it's quite a nice option. There aren't that many good goalkeepers in Calcio A either. Uh, Serie A even. And uh yeah, Steve, who who do you like? Um the only player that I'd really be that interested in would probably be Partey. It's a pretty uninspiring selection again, probably for the second week on the bounce. Mm. Players like Andre Almeida, the the Portuguese right back, um 
slap a shadow on him at right back and he's going to get up to a whopping 79 sprint speed <laughs> not really sure not really sure what the point of that is really there seems to be a lot of um a lot of SBC fodder in preparation for black yes, friday SBCs that's, perhaps that's a that's a key thing you know you look in here you've probably got what about six or seven maybe even more like discard 81 or 82 rated players yep. You know, obviously they want to supply these cards because we're likely to get a team of the week ten SBC, um, which will require informs. Supply them this week in preparation for next week wouldn't be a bad idea. So I can see why they've done that. Um, yeah, was, you know, and that makes all of the discard informs a good look. I was going to say, uh, it's actually Andre Almeida looks like a really good shout for like a team of the week pickup because he'll presumably be really cheap. He's not very usable, but he's an eighty-two rated right back. Yeah, you look at the look at the likes of uh, like Danilo Pereira and Pizzi, and mm. you know those, those kinds of cards. Yep, I like that. And sure. Rami as well, I think, also could be a decent option in that sense. Yes, as as the eighty four, you know, French is always mm. that's the best way. And to Marseille, go. there are some um, high rated cards there, aren't yes, yeah. there? So it'll be a, it'll be a nice little look for like for SBC investing, mm. um, which is is good really because we don't really want a lot of higher tier investments this week with you know a big potential crash incoming so it'd be nice to you know get these cards in for sort of around the discard mark and it's sort of like the low end 84 inform mark mm. um sort of in preparation for sbc's next week yep. so in that regard it looks like a pretty nice team of the week in terms of usable players mm. it no. is <laughs> there's a lot of these cards that aren't worth discard <laughs> yeah it's a terrible team of the yeah. week the truth be told elshar you know not what he was once yeah. and I was looking at his card he's got like terrible reactions and composure and you're like he would almost be an interesting card to le- to use for that reason just to kind of see like how yeah he I like how he went from five star skills five star weak foot in yeah. FIFA 12 and now he's got a two star weak foot yeah is he just, he just one of his legs just yeah, yeah. Off like. <laughs> I was actually thinking this would be like quite a short trading bit of gameplay bosh done but what a pod this has been a real epic of the podcast, uh, Foot Weekly podcast. <laughs> epic is the word, yeah. <laughs> um, thanks very much, Matt, for struggling through some uh, serious gameplay discussion there. That's all right, I learned a lot, okay? I'm expecting elite one finishes this weekend. <laughs> no, I mean, thanks also for your trading insights. It's been really interesting to chat about Black Friday uh, and all that. That's all right, mate. A pleasure as always. Yeah, pleasure as and always. Steve, thanks for um, vindicating my tactical decisions on the weekend. Absolutely. I, I've learned quite a lot from you, Ben, today. Um, it's been an interesting pod, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And um, I meant to go back to this, but you chose to mention um, about your Black Friday uh, advice you got from Matt during the break, but you didn't mention your chickens. There has been a bit of chicken action, yeah. yeah. Um, the sun set during the recording of the podcast, and obviously that's prime time for foxes to be on the prowl. Mm. So, uh, yep, the chickens were closed away for the night during the actual live recording of this podcast. And as the sun sets on uh, Steve's chickens, it also sets on this podcast. So, oh, so smooth! What, what a, what a wonderful that. segue that is. That's why we. That's why we pay you. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us this week, listeners, and we'll see you very soon. Two things I noticed going back through the podcast. One of the things is I think we briefly mentioned talking about the new patch. We were going to mention it briefly and just say that we haven't really played it enough to really make a comment on it so we'll do that next week but the other thing is Ben where's that dynamite discard you promised at some point during this podcast and hinted about on Twitter I completely forgot to do the dynamite discard so quickly here it is it is Luis Muriel Um, yeah Colombian plays in La Liga he's a striker Um, he's actually someone I've been playing at centre mid then switching to right mid and um, I've been really really impressed with if you look at him with the engine he's actually got really solid um, well I say solid he's got top tier dribbling he's got like 95 uh, actual dribbling 90 agility 90 balance he's got 80 strength Uh, his finishing is much better than his stats suggest and he can take a really good power shot though that's why I've been playing on the right he's got 4 star skills 4 star weak foot he's got really good positioning I guess he makes runs in behind and uh, feels a, a really really solid player if you're looking for a budget option and yeah considering he managed to obviously get the elite three finish um, with Muriel at right wing obviously swapping him right mid obviously swapping him because his stamina isn't great um, you know quite early on in the second half but he really was a player people underestimated so I'd, I'd definitely recommend him if you're looking for a player to play out wide I tried in Arky Williams I'd say Muriel was better for me and I think that is the end finally of this week's podcast just a quick reminder, we are helping to support Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably. If you're finding things tough, do go to thecalmzone.net for help, support, or just the chat. See you very soon.
Football season is here. That means it's time to load up on some delicious ice-cold Coke. Pick up Coca-Cola from your nearest retailer today.